In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles International, right here on Tojinet, Pararex, Ghost Channel, and beyond. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper to the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable New England's own Van Helsink. And with me, all the way from across the pond, is Mr. Parascience himself, the late, great Stephen Parsons. Good afternoon, Ron. You should also add to your uh, repertoire there the Phantom Typist as well. Phantom Typist? Why are you here typing? I, I heard uh, typing as well. Yeah. Really? <laughs> we could typing. be an EVP then. Wow. Wow. Then you never know. Yeah, you know what these. Or and joining us, by the way, that wasn't Cal's voice, that feminine voice, although Cal sometimes <laughs> does sound like that, uh, is. Uh, well, actually, Steve, why don't you introduce her since you know her better than I do? Uh, well, it's a huge improvement on Cal, that's for certain. Um, <laughs> well, that's very kind of you. <laughs> fellow member of the SPR, and in fact a veteran of the SPR, has uh, Steady been a Steve. member for nearly, nearly yep, 20% okay. of the uh, lifespan of the SPR. And an advocate, Debs Oaks, um, an, Hello, IT, an IT expert and uh, also an, uh, an advocate of lateral and circular thinking, I think. Does that accurately describe you, Deb? That's interesting, yeah. I'm sure I'll go with that. It sounds very Ola hoops and drop the waves. <laughs> oh, did you get the little note about they've renamed the Droutner? No, I didn't. What it's have the they renamed? Iva, it's the Ivor Larson now, apparently. Oh, okay. Last month. Oh, that's very interesting. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> well, that's, that's well, for you to question Debs and find out, Rob. <laughs> well, I was thinking of avoiding uh, the drought and a wave thing. Uh, well, I want to keep it quite simple, really. But, um, yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll work through that one a bit. Um, I, I'm really uh, interested in the models that we use in the paranormal and, uh, you know, that we've been pretty much hindered by the mechanistic model, which has dominated our subject. That was just come from science. And uh, I'm basically, uh, I'd like to see more ideas in our field uh, and uh, imagination as to different models. The, 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 the mechanistic model, it's a machine model, it really comes from Descartes where he describes the world as a machine uh, and if you imagine it, it's, he describes it uh, as like a machine. You have one cog affecting another cog 
Uh, so you've got, I don't know, three cogs in a line of all the same size. And if I was to turn the first cog, the last cog would move at the same rate of rotation as the one I was turning. So you get um, uh, the output uh, is directly proportional to the input. And this is the machine model that's uh, been working in our subject for so long, and it's very linear. And I'm keen on the idea that the world, and, and we're moving, science is moving towards this, the world is moving towards the idea that, that things are more like a network. And in fact, it's not the parts, the cogs, that are important, but the interaction between those cogs. Um, and to me, um, the paranormal is, uh, well, if, I'm just trying to think of a quick way of, of just keeping on with the cogs thing, analogy. Um, if I had, three cogs are great, because if I, it, that, it's usually predictable, but if I was to add 50 cogs and I turn the first cog, uh, we might find that the last cog isn't turning the same rate of speed. Um, the whole system may act completely differently because it's become more complex. And um, basically, if you... Uh, I'm trying to think of a, a, a way of carrying this through the cogs that are struggling. Um, you started this, you know. Yeah, are you following this? This Sorry? is amazing. Just keep going. Can I just keep rambling? Just keep rambling. It's, it's, I rambling. just love your voice I, anyway. I so don't, even if I don't know what the hell you're talking about, I love your voice, okay. so just I'm, keep I'm going. Gonna, <laughs> oh, keep up, Ron. I, I know. I got it. <laughs> I'm going to try a different analogy because I'm running. I'm running uh, out of cogs. Thing. Well, let's forget the cogs for a moment. But it, it, the world is seen as a machine and very predictable with definitive parts. And the world isn't really like that. It's it's more complex than that. And to give you an example, I was just thinking about it the other day. My I had this. I used to have this car, um, an old car, that uh, an Alfa Sud, in fact, um, that. Uh, when I was driving it uh, normally around town, it would it would run absolutely perfectly. And uh, but if I took it onto the motorway, the whole thing used to vibrate like mad. And um, basically, what was happening was because the wheels weren't balanced, uh, they put little weights on the wheels to counteract little imperfections in the tyres and, and the wheels and that. Um, at a certain speed, the whole car vibrated because all those little imperfections, those little anomalies, uh, built up to make the system do something completely different, which is the shaking of the car. So... Um, Basically, to me, the paranormal is uh, accumulation of, of, of maybe something in a system, uh, a bigger system, that uh, it's so complex, there's lots of things going on, that, that uh, we get these sort of anomalies coming out. Uh, I'm trying to be not... Uh, I understand the analogy perfectly. It's like a woman, uh, basically. Uh, uh, no, I don't like the sound of that at all. Where are you going with that one? <laughs> It's very complex, and there's these little idiosyncrasies that we can't figure out how they work, but we know that the complexity must somehow cause these, but yet, being only a man, it's difficult for us to understand. I, I, yeah, I well, you're, you're simple, you see. That sounds so, like backpedaling, um, Ron. Sounds like you were yeah, backpedaling there. <laughs> 
you're predictable, and, and when you have a simple uh, system, it's predictable. Mm-hmm. But actually, the simple systems and, and science has used this for a long time are really abstractions of a, a bigger system. Uh, in fact, when science looks at things, it, it it has to have a beginning and an end to make predictions. So what it does was it, it, it takes something out of the environment, maybe into the lab. Uh, where it's simple, and um, uh, it'll it'll test it from there. And that usually works quite well on simple systems. But if you try and look at something in its environment with all those different interactions, it becomes a lot more complex. And we we don't model for that uh, in the paranormal. We don't look at those uh, complexities and what they what. Uh, properties may emerge. Well, well uh, don't we? Don't we? In a way, Deb. I mean, don't we? By measuring different parts of the environment, and and uh, by trying to understand the psyche of the people involved, and and the the certain conditions of uh, uh, the uh, situation that's going on. I mean, don't we compare different? It, it's a lot more complex than just waving an EMF meter around or a K2 meter and say, <laughs> is there anybody there? Uh, yeah. You know, no. don't, we, don't we do that, though? Um, not really, no. Uh, uh, the, the, basically, I'm trying to stay away from non-linear, non-linear analysis and saying such things like that. But basically, science, um, it, it, it starts with a hypothesis. Um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and basically, it uh, it it, it um, will will take a, a selection of parts of that system. It, it can't take all the parts that. Are, so I mean, the, the the famous thing, chaos, which derives from uh, complex systems. Uh, the the butterfly's wing. You're probably familiar with that where a small uh, fluctuation has a very big impact. We, we can't predict the weather beyond a few days. And in fact, some people would argue we can't predict the weather at all. And the reason for that is that we don't know all the starting conditions of the system that we're looking at, the weather system. So um, it, science generally stays away from that. It's moving more in that way. And there's lots of people now, Steve included, I, I believe, is using nonlinear analysis in his stuff now, but, uh, <laughs> which is very, very impressive. But he's a rare animal in our subject. Oh, that he is, that he is. <laughs> but in other subjects in science, they're, they're building more on this, and they're looking at modeling things as opposed to... Um, uh, for instance, well, it, well, can you give us an example how this is applied to mm-hmm. ghost hunting? Well, in ghost hunting, for instance, it may be at the moment um, there's all sorts of things that look at the, the interactions of people. Um, I don't know. Let's take a, say poltergeist, for instance. Okay. Um, you know that the, the, we, we know that uh, certain things like it, it's it's more likely to occur with adolescent girls, or it's uh, it might be place has an impact, or it might be um, you know uh, all sorts of different things. I can't think of the top of my head, but there, there may be lots of things like that uh, that you might look at 
in a, in a more linear way. But then there are the interactions between those things. So uh, maybe if you get uh, someone of a certain age uh, in a particular place, uh, then it doesn't happen. But then you get someone that's you know, uh, of, say, exactly 13 or something like that, then it, it happens. Uh, I mean, I'm just throwing these off the top of my head. I'm not, right. uh, you know. So, um, but, it, but we don't accommodate that in, in the way we look at the data. We look, and in fact, what happens is when the data is being analysed generally, um, well, not generally, all, all the time when it's being a linear analysis, uh, you get graphs with uh, lots of outliers. Do you know outliers where you, you have, um, say you've got a straight line on a graph and uh, the, the things that, that can't be accommodated in the hypothesis or it doesn't, they look like they're anomaly, they're actually, they are actually anomalies, um, are on the outside and they get uh, thrown away. And that can be a lot of data. Uh, and what I'm saying is we need to include those outliers, and this is what nonlinear analysis does, um, because it may be in those margins where we find answers uh, in the sense that the system, there may be patterns emerging if you look at the system as a whole that we don't see because we're abstracting data, the data that we want that's was driven by the hypothesis. Is this making sense at all? <laughs> or have you all gone to sleep? I'm, I, no, I'm, I'm fully I'm with it. I'm rambling a bit. Just, I was actually thinking of one very good example where uh, some key data, as you say, uh, it was off the bell curve and it had been slung out. And that was um, yeah. the uh, psychomantium experiment. I think it was... Oh, which were, I just trying to remember the two parapsychologists who conducted it. And they had some seriously anomalous temperature data um, uh. That they that that didn't conform to their models, and they just disregarded it. It didn't fit. Just throw it out. And actually, when you when somebody with a different um, understanding of the conditions that were taking place inside the psychomantium chamber uh, looked at the data, um, it was quickly realised that that uh, the data that they'd thrown away was probably the most useful item mm. um, in, in yeah. the whole experiment. Um, but, you know, again, they just said, well, it didn't fit. It was unexpected data. Mm. Let's throw yeah. it out, which was yeah. an astonishing decision. Yeah, and, and this is I'm exactly what happens. I remember who it was. <sighs> I'm I will, not by, the, with I will that. by the end of this sentence because well, I'm scrabbling around on the <laughs> internet trying to find it out. I would, I would love to know what, what that's uh, from. Uh, but, um, da, 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 da. You keep talking, <laughs> I'll keep looking. Okay. So, I mean, this is, in fact, this brings us nicely a bit to the Droughtner wave, which is the same thing happened, really. Um, the Droughtner wave, uh, just to tell the quick story, ho-ho, if I can, um, is, uh, I had a, actually, I'll start with my, my own personal story. Someone told me a story about them. They were at sea and they were completely lifted out of the water by this massive wave and it just came from nowhere that the sea was uh, it, it wasn't 
very rough, but it, it was a little choppy, but it wasn't, uh, this wave was significantly uh, about three times larger than all the uh, surrounding waves. And it lifted the boat up uh, very delicately, thankfully for, for them, and, uh, and it put them down again. And if they'd been anywhere else on that part of the wave, they weren't exactly on the very top, uh, they would have been, had it for sure. But it, it, the, this sort of um, got my imagination going about this and what it was about. And I looked into it, and basically there was lots of reports over, um, you know, many many years, hundreds of years, were, of sailors saying these waves occurred, and no one would believe them. No, uh, no one would accept that these. Uh, ways w- can exist um, and then um, basically the um, well science has said that it just can't in the linear way the sea the, the mechanism between how the sea works the, the wave mechanics it's not possible uh, in linear science for this to occur uh, because the waves are usually the sum of the waves around and things like that they're, they're not greater than the sum of the surrounding waves anyway um, to cut a very long story short um, they started looking at these waves the, the data from these waves well actually no they record there was a, at the Droughtner rig there was recorded one one of these waves uh, and they couldn't deny it. the the, the uh, equipment was very very accurate uh, so they knew that something was recorded at this height so they started going over old data this some person went over this data and found that um, the, the these waves occurred a lot basically uh, and, and but they didn't fit the um, the current uh, way of looking at the sea. So they found a model that worked, and the model was a nonlinear model of how the sea works. And now they can make much better predictions uh, about where these waves can occur. And I'm thinking that maybe the answer for the paranormal is changing the model we're using, this linear model, and accommodating all these outliers and that, and looking at the system in a bigger way as a whole to see if there are patterns that emerge that can give us some clues as to what's really going on. Because at the moment, we've got nowhere with the mechanistic model. <laughs> Have you gone to sleep yet? <laughs> no, I'm just trying to follow this all, and it's okay. Interesting. Well, well, okay, well, where are you struggling then, Ron? Uh, probably all of it. Are you? <laughs> well, not all of it. I mean, I, I, the, 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 there's got to be an end to this. That's what I'm trying. To, you know, you, you're bringing analogies in, and you're talking about different things, but. Mm. Uh, you know, you, you want to the, to sum it up. What what is uh, you know? I mean, I forget the name of it now. Even uh, it, you just want to apply different models to ghost hunting. Is is that what we're looking at? Rather than a linear, we're looking for a, a different model a to apply to it. Well, we're looking for. An, uh, I'm proposing that we should be using nonlinear analysis right. at the data that we use in looking at the paranormal, because that allows it accommodates all the outliers and a lot more data, and it get, will probably give us a better picture of what's going on. 
because uh, the linear model is an abstraction of a bigger system and the bigger system and most physical systems are uh, nonlinear. Uh, science knows this now. Uh, but we, we like to use the linear tools because we can predict and control much better when we, we use those tools. Okay, so if you want us to do this, what, what type of a model? I mean, who's going to create this model? Well, it, it's already out there. All I, I mean, the, the, the tools for, for looking at the data are already out there. They're modeling tools. Um, and, you know, there are some aspects of psychology that do use these tools. It's just not that being used in the paranormal as much. Um, and and there's, a, there's a whole rack of reasons why that might be, for instance. Uh, was it, <laughs> lack well, of the, imagination by psychologists. Well, lack, <laughs> lack of imagination. Oh, the main one. <laughs> That's actually, yeah, it's actually the real one, though, because I think most academics are actually scared rigid of coming out of the box. Because, yeah. I mean, you've got funding issues, you've got peer, peer pressure issues. Yeah, they, they don't like to stray out of the box. Um, and uh, incidentally, while we, while you were um, you two were chatting, it was Dean Radin and Redman in '96 who constructed. Oh, read, so, yes, okay. uh, called yeah. the Nevada experiment. Yeah, and um, due to uh, a suggestion that the uh, that the ambient temperature data was off the model. Uh, some of the significant temperature data and, and physiological correlations were excluded. For, in fact, they excluded all ambient temperature data from the subsequent uh, mm. experiment. Mm. And so, they made you know, the, a big mistake. Yeah. Well, the one, one has to ask the question, what of you know, the data that we're checking out? Because we don't know what we're looking at with the paranormal generally. Uh, we don't have any... Well, for me, I don't feel that we have any good, real good answers. Um, so I'm wondering what's being thrown out. Uh, with the data, you know. I think you make a very valid point, but there's also a double-edged sword to to, um, to what you're saying because you're also, or it could be perceived that you're you're also throwing a lifeline to the um, to the extreme fringes. You know, the, this argument that there is no extreme expertise. Fringes. Is it <laughs> all extreme fringism? No, it's not. Um, okay. If you say there so, are some. there are some. <laughs> But sorry, Steve, but, I'm not quite following that. Just say that well, again, please. Well, we do get this argument that there is no expertise in the paranormal, uh, yeah. in the field of paranormal research, and therefore anything, however bizarre, by way of experimentation, is therefore mm. valid. Um, yeah. And and this idea of bringing nonlinear modelling into into it, um, I mean, I, I I can support it, um, but it it could be seen as throwing a lifeline to the. Um, you know, those that talk to little boxes with flashy lights on. Brigade. That's right, which is a lot of people. Because they will just turn around and go, I'm using nonlinear modeling. You, you know what? You know what? You know what's funny? Wait a minute. But you know what's funny is those are the norm. I mean, that is your, your mainstream are the people that talk to little light flashing lights. That is your mainstream in the paranormal. Well, I was, I was going to say it's not as fringe as, or on the edges as you. You make out, Steve, I don't think, I don't believe. M most sciences are using this way of analyzing data now, more and more so. Uh, I mean, we've got 
uh, we're now back, we can predict um, when volcanoes are going to erupt much better because of it. Um, we were, we're using it in the weather systems more. Um, the, the stock markets were a very big subject there when they crashed. The, the stock markets stopped stock markets. Okay. I must have missed <laughs> uh, something here. How do we get to the ba- stock market? Basically, what happened there was that they were treating it as a linear system, where they could make they could predict what was going to happen. And of course, there was that wasn't the case. There was a lot of complexity in it, um, and it sort of uh, the whole thing keeled over because we didn't understand the system because we were looking at it in a linear way rather than in in a. And I don't know if you know, is it Talab the black swan? Uh, he's he's quite keen on on uh, he made a prediction basically that they we were going to have that crash, and he said it was inevitable, and he pretty much uh, uh, described it to a T. And and it, that was because I mean he's very big on uh, nonlinear analysis, so it was sort of written on the wall um, for those that understand nonlinear systems. So this stuff is really coming of age now. And, and particularly since the computer age where the network is more important than the parts themselves. Uh, it's not about the parts anymore. It's about the, the connections between the parts. So, um, and, and this is helping us understand a lot of things and it's being used practically. It's not, um, it's not, not a, 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 you know, on the edge thing. It's, it's being, it's a very hard science. In fact, it's based in mathematics. So we're not talking fluffy stuff here. No, but I still, I still have this idea that, you know, we're going to be, there are people who will perceive the idea um, of using, and I, I know you're, you're sort of looking, advocating that we look at the fringes, but there are some instances where the, there is no valid basis for um, some of the experiments that are being conducted in the paranormal field or some of the claims that are being made within the paranormal field, um, linear or nonlinear. Some of them are just plain daft. Um, mm. But nonlinear modelling could be you know, perceived as throwing a lifeline to, to um, some of the extreme <laughs> beliefs and extreme but, but practices. But the people that are going to say that are the people that aren't scientists. That's <laughs> because true. Because anyone... <laughs> you, you, you know, anyone... Listen to you, Devin. Listen to Steve. And, you, you know, you guys are actually in the minority in the paranormal community because there are very, very few that are seriously you know, like SBR and uh, that really seriously analyze data like you're even talking about. I mean, most people in the majority we, we just run around with, you know, meters and, and mediums and, and they get this and that and that's their proof. I mean, they don't analyze, for instance, at a certain point in time, they don't analyze all the information they're getting. They only take the information that's uh, relevant to what they're trying to do. Oh, yeah, yeah they can't they, wait they, to get home and get it on YouTube, can they? Yeah. Well, right, they look exactly. The, so, yeah. I mean, you guys are really in a minority when you, you think about it. Oh, uh, God, we're fringe. We're fringe. We are the fringe. You are the fringe. Yeah. <laughs> we are the no, edges no. of the bell curve. That, mean, <laughs> that means that, that the use of a K, K2 meter is, is in fact... Um, no, well, Ron, Ron does make the very valid point. It is, it is actually common practice. Um, we, Debs and I and others might call it fringe practices, but it's actually mm-hmm. the norm. 
Rob make, Ron's making an absolutely spot on um, observation. Which is and, and you know dinosaurs, Debs. We're coming up to the break right now, anyway, so you're going to have to think about that. Um, anyways, you're listening to uh, Ghost Chronicles International with uh, Mr. Stevens Parson, Mr. Parascience himself, and the humble Mr. Ronald Kolick, right here on Tojanet Pararex Ghost Channel and Beyond. And our special guest is Deb Oaks, and we'll be right back after the following messages for those who are still with us. Welcome to Toginet, radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. Kerrigan, the blonde bombshell, and I'm the lead investigator of East Bridgewater's Most Haunted. And we'd like to invite you to tune in Ghost Chronicles, the next generation, every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on www.toginet.com. So, so yeah, what are they going to hear on this stupid show? What are they going to hear? They are going to hear things that they can't believe are happening. Like uh, Beyond Bizarre. And Cemetery Tripping. Oh, that's your deal, right? Absolutely. Yeah, one of these days you're going to get uh, so scared of one of these cemetery tripping things that uh, you'll, I'll have to get a new co-host. <laughs> I am brave beyond belief. Nothing yeah, we'll see. scares me. Except so anyways, if you're bored and you got nothing to do on Wednesday night, tune in to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Dan and Ron. See you then. back. You are listening to Ghost Chronicles International with Mr. Stevens Parsons and Ron Kolick and our very special guest has been Deb Oaks from SPR. 
Let's be I honest. I like the very, know. very special gas bit. <laughs> you are. You're very special. I love your voice. Oh. I can just listen to it all night, even if I don't know what the That's... hell you're talking about. But it's beautiful. <laughs> <durable. laughs> <laughs> no, oh, no, I'm just kidding you. Oh, no, <laughs> no, no. I, it, it's very, very difficult to talk. I, in fact, when I, I said to Steve, when he, he said that I should come on the program, uh, really, <laughs> I struggle with visuals on this subject. But to actually oh, do come it on. on no. the... <laughs> Deb, I, I've got to jump in here because Deb, <laughs> Deb's did a, an excellent presentation at this year's conference and she had some of the UK's leading parapsychologists until Cal spoilt it doing the hula hoop. Yes. It was, yeah, oh, it, was, it was Cal. Yeah, Cal ruined it. He, he, you know what? I, I'll never forgive him for that. <laughs> he, he did the hula hoop? No, yeah. we, spoiled, we had all the, Debs had got all of these academics up, uh, creaking uh-huh. out of their, out of their uh, conference chairs, <laughs> had them all with, with hula hoops at the front of the conference, um, working together, and Cal stuffed it up. He stuffed it up, basically. Sabot- yeah. It was sabotage. It was yeah. Sabotage. Do you know what? It would have gone great if it wasn't for that. But, you know, I'll never forgive Cal for that. Do I even <laughs> ask to... Do we even dare to ask what hula hoops were doing? Uh, never mind. No, Maybe I shouldn't. No. It's, it's got complicated enough. <laughs> all that. Oh my do, you know, God. do you know, when I saw that on the conference thing, I thought, oh, we're all going to get a free bag of hula hoops, which are like potato chips. <laughs> I was tempted to Oh, buy- I thought they were actual hula hoops. No, they were on the day. I thought they were potato <laughs> chips. <laughs> oh, now I'm so confused even more than before. Now, you see, I'm, you have got to come over to an SPR conference, Ron, because you don't know what you're missing. Oh, Evidently right. not. I, I was tempted to buy a bag of hula hoops, but I thought that some of them might break their teeth on them, so I, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm going to get lynched for that one, aren't I? <laughs> so, anyway, Steve, let me throw this out to you first, and then we'll, uh, we'll ask Deb about it, too, is it's, Let's let's talk about it again. You know, in the U.S., we're not really familiar with it. I mean, we've mentioned it on the show before, and um, so you want to just uh, give the synopsis of what SPR is. Uh, is this a well, way of deflecting me away from? <laughs> no, 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 uh, no. <laughs> well, I'm actually I'm actually a little surprised because, uh, by the by the uh, the fact that you're unfamiliarity, Ron, because in 1882. Um, I was the Society there. for Psychical Research. I know you weren't around then. The Society for Psychical Research was founded here in in the UK um, by a group of, I think, um, primarily Cambridge academics and um, uh, you know classicists. But the following year, eighteen eighty three four, um, the American Society for Psychical Research was founded and was going strong up until only a few years ago. Um, mm-hmm. And a great deal of research was actually contributed by the ASPR. Um, mm. You had uh, you know, leading researchers over uh, that way, Hereward Carrington being probably one of the most famous, uh, produced many, many books on the paranormal, uh, Phantasms of the Dead. Um, he, you know, he, Carrington was, a, was an extensive researcher um, mm. and leading light in the ASPR. Somebody's put in the chat room. Most most SPR <laughs> members don't own their own teeth. <laughs> Is that true? 
I'm, I, 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 I'm never going to be forgiven for that. Oh, my God. I'm looking forward oh, well. to the next conference now. Oh, we're don't, dead. really. We're dead no. meat. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, the society was set up with a number of aims, um, and it wasn't just the exclusive study of ghosts. It was, it was a, quite, a broad, uh, quite a broad spectrum um, of uh, things that it was interested in looking at. And these ranged from telepathy... Uh, thought transference, extrasensory perception, um, phant- phantasms of the living. That's where the, the, the apparition or the hallucination of a living person appears to mm-hmm. someone else. And they had some, some, some really quite um, interesting experiments going on with, with I think, results that, that are much overlooked mm-hmm. today. Yeah, they had some good stuff. Uh, I think, though, over the uh, when I first joined SBR, uh, it's a long time ago. It, it seemed to be predominantly people th- that were more focused on the life after death angle of it. Uh, and actually, I, I'm not sure I, I agree entirely with you there, Steve. I feel that as time has gone on, we've got uh, more broader. But not enough. We haven't been broad enough. Uh, this is my gripe, but it has got broader in some of the ideas floating around. I mean, like Dean Radin's work and things like that, and uh, John you, you, and Dawn. You see, and things you've like got to that. understand, Deb, though, that the majority of the Americans, uh, their great researchers are, uh, you know, Jason Hawes and uh, uh, Zach Bagans and, uh, you know, uh, the guys from Destination Truth. And, I mean, this is mm. our SBR. I mean, TV is our researchers, mm. not these stuffy little colleges and stuff. No, no, no. <laughs> SPR isn't the, the the main problem I see with the SPR, and it's something I've, I've uh, I know Deb and I've talked about, and I've been quite vocal about over the years, is that, mm-hmm. in fact, we, we actually did a presentation one year, um, Anne, Anne Winsper, who's been on the show a number of times, um, called The Lunatics Have Taken Over the Asylum, because what we were basically <laughs> saying is that, that since um, the revolution in psychology and parapsychology, uh, which, which led by the Americans at the Ryan Institute, um, it, it, the, the SPR in particular has become primarily an organization stuffed to the gills full of psychologists. Um, mm. There were some great ghost hunters within the SPR. Um, mm-hmm. Peter Underwood, uh, Dr. Alan Gould, Dr. Tony Cornell, um, mm. who, who have moved on, um, some of them completely on to the other <laughs> side. Um, but, but, so but, they're still working then? Age... <laughs> Yeah, age has has wearied them, and the years have condemned. Yes. Um, yeah, and there are, there are no there are no real um, ghost hunters left within the SPR. Um, mm, that, that's we, we've lost that right. balance. And when you go to conference, mm. when you go to the SPR conference now, I and mean, we have to sit through interminable lectures uh, by PhD students telling us what they're planning to do for the next four years, uh, and usually saying, "Well, I'm going to do a questionnaire." Um, and the reason that they're there is because they have to be. It's part of their PhD to present at a conference. Oh, um, yeah. But what, what we discovered when Anne and I started to present um, stories of our ghost hunting adventures is that uh, because the ghost hunters were always, were always bumped off um, to the, the twilight shifts at the either end of the conference when either nobody's got there yet or everybody's left early. Um, 
But the majority of these parapsychologists are all secret ghost hunters. They would all yeah. love to get out and hunt for ghosts. Yeah. Um, but as I said earlier, they, they're, they're frightened. They won't come out of the labs. Mm, they're, they're concerned about what their peers think, yeah. I mean, there are, there are one or two. Speaking about ghost, I mean, parapsychologists, I, I just got a message from uh, our favorite uh, parapsychologist, Mr. Cal Cooper, and it is big smiles and mucho, <laughs> mucho cuddles. Um, I'm not sure who that's for, but I, I did see it posted it's on Facebook. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Cal. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we do love you. <laughs> anyway, Ian, uh, what, what I want to... Ian, you're not really a ghost hunter, either, but you said you, you, you've really taken this up and interest in it, and you're applying models to it. I mean, so you're basically a mathematician, then. Am I correct with this? Sorry, was that directed at me? Yeah, he, called, he called you Anne, then. But... Oh, the... oh, <laughs> oh, so Deb, Ian, you know, the old... It's all right. You know, at least it wasn't George, you know, give me a break. <laughs> Uh, no, I'm not. A, I'm certainly not a mathematician. I'm enthusiast. Uh, really, my only claim is that that uh, I've been sort of following these things for many years, um, and I've taken an interest. And in there are, are a few things that cross over into my work. As far as uh, you know, being a programmer, you get a lot of wildlife when you're programming and uh you know it, it sort of uh, makes me feel a little comforted that the, that wildlife is has has got uh, some uh, explanation somewhere in a in a complex system uh but we you know so there's a crossover uh, but that that's about as far as I go I'm not an academic and uh, I'm certainly not a mathematician <laughs> you know, you've always you've always as long as I've known you Deb you've always Play down um, <laughs> this, this, this. It, I, I don't know. You, you've, you've done yourself a great disservice because you actually know a huge amount. And you know, if you look at the names that run through about before Jason Hawes, uh, right. Zach, uh, these great American ghost hunters, most of them, they haven't been interested in the paranormal in at any level for more than a handful of years. Well, since they had their TV shows. Yeah, since yeah. got the TV shows. <laughs> the media I mean, thing, yeah. You know, I mean, Ron, I'll be honest with you, uh, despite what Debs is, is modestly saying about herself, she could run absolute rings around these people. <laughs> That's very kind of you to well, say. Well, well uh, you know, I, I, I would believe so, because she's running rings around me right now. And, uh, you know, <laughs> oh, dear. It's an old, which is it's not, old bad, it's not a bad thing, though. You know, I, I don't mind her running rings around me. I mean, she's amazing. Are you getting dizzy? <laughs> <laughs> Get him with a hula hoop. <laughs> yeah, <that's... laughs> you know, I mean, in, in reality, you know, we, we talk about, you know, I talked about a little bit before about you guys are really the minority, and because people don't really analyze the data that they've collected, and yeah, you know, yes. th there is tons and tons, and just think about all the ghosts. When I started ghost hunting, you know, um, I don't know. 15, 20 years ago, no, 15, I think it's probably, um, there was like 24 ghost hunting groups on the internet, and now it's like 24 in, in the uh, city block. So, I mean, there's people, tons of people going out there collecting data. Some of it may not be uh, in, uh, collected properly, but there's mm -hmm. tons and tons of data that's totally being wasted. 
Mm. There seems to be two camps with that. There seems to be the people uh, in academia, for instance, who mm. are very concerned to do things very, very carefully. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> oh, so much so that they're not prepared to play a bit with the data. They're, they're, they're so concerned about their peers having a go because they're already in a dodgy subject, the paranormal, that they don't, they want to keep things as tight as possible. And that, that can actually hinder, uh, I think, uh, and for what little I know, but it, it seems to hinder a, a, a lot of research. Um, um, I, I don't know. Steve probably has a, a better. Um, he's far no, more think, qualified to you, comment I think on you, that. You're dead on. The other problem I think that we we also suffer from as well is um, this belief in themselves, because you have people who have a, a science qualification. Of, it's now a science qualification, psychology. It used to be a, a, um, a humanity. But right. they now believe that they can go off and, you know, the saying, I can do science, me. And so you have psychologists who are doing uh, experiments that involve quite, quite in-depth physics. And they're doing it badly and they're doing it mm. wrong. And what then happens is they write up their results, which are peer-reviewed by psychologists who... I know from my own experience, their eyes glaze over when you say the word physics they, they, to them. Yeah, yeah. And they blindly accept that, oh, well, it must be, it must be must right. Be right. It's got numbers <laughs> it in it. It sounds good. <laughs> it, it, gets, it gets put in a journal and it becomes a fact. Yes. And then, it's, yeah. and then other psychologists go off and try and test this. And mm. it, it happens in infrasound. Um, you know, the, this idea that, that there was this one particular frequency that was discovered hiding in a laboratory in Coventry that makes people see ghosts um, got into the journals, has now got 150,000 plus Google hits. And if you ask uh, most paranormal, amateur paranormal researchers, they will tell you 19 hertz uh, yeah. uh, is key. And, you know, there's even been, yeah. there's even a movie in production, 19 hertz, the frequency of fear. I have a confession. I, I, I until very recently, in, in, until reading your stuff, Steve, more recent stuff, I've, I've, that's what I have. <laughs> so you can lump me with that lot. I, I, I wouldn't be at all surprised because it, it became it's, it's, it's almost like the myth of the poltergeist the, the poltergeist yeah. uh, child this idea that um, you know all poltergeist or the majority of poltergeist manifestations are prepubescent females mm -hmm. and in actual fact the data doesn't support that um, right. there are a yeah. large number of cases where the, the poltergeist is Somebody's buzzing. Um, is yeah, I've been trying to figure out what that was. Is it me? Is it me? <laughs> it Voices seems of the dead, I think. But, it, you know, it, there are a large number of cases where the poltergeist uh, manifestation is not, you know, classically linked to a female, prepubescent or otherwise. Man, 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 man. The cases, cases, man, man, man. Wait a minute, that's uh, death. Sorry, go on, go on. <laughs> It's Deb, isn't it? Yeah, that's freaky, huh? What? what? I can't, I can't hear anything. You think <laughs> she's been deaf? 
We've we've got a double echo on you, Deb. Um, oh, yeah, okay. The tide is sounds the tide like, coming Sounds like a demon out. voice. She may be possessed, Stephen, and we may have to call in for an exorcist. <laughs> I'm, I'm a demonologist. I'm not sure. Maybe this is the feedback. Talking about talking about that. Um, I have the sound only coming from my headphones, so I'm not. It shouldn't be coming out the computer. So I don't know why you're getting an echo. Is that better? Can we redial Debs? Uh, can we re-Skype her? You're going to drop me, aren't you? No. Yes, we are, dear. I'm trying to fix you. <laughs> yep, we're going to do it. Goodbye, Deb. Okay. Nice knowing you. She'll be back in a minute, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. There's something in the, ch in the chat room is, but it's people from Wales. I, I'll do it in a Welsh accent for them. It's people is from it? Wales that investigate the paranormal. Aye, aye. Oh, that's the different is one. Forget it. Anyway, well, well... Is that oh, better? Yeah. No. It's an improvement. Oh, God. It's because I'm on an island. It's probably bouncing around. It is. The tide's out. The tide's yeah. gone out. Well, that must uh, be uh, what it is. Are you on an island? I am, yes. I'm on the oh. Isle of Wight. Really? That's kind of cool. Yes. Yeah, very cool. <laughs> It's well, actually quite warm. It's one of the warmest places in the UK. So Sorry, I've, Ron, I'm going to jump in here because I've got a bone to pick with Debs. Oh, God. Who assured me that she couldn't come to see Cal and I <laughs> at Portsmouth because she couldn't get the... What was, what was the last ferry time you, you gave me? Was it 11 o'clock, 11.30? Um, no, actually, there's later ones. I know, but as that, I found out on the night when that, I was looking for you. <laughs> But that, there was a reason, that wasn't the reason I didn't come. The reason, I, in fact, I, mean, I still have a really bad back. Ah. Uh, I've been laid up for, for weeks well, with it. Well, that's a good um, enough reason. I just thought you were avoiding, I just thought you, there was this sort of ongoing thing with Cal. like you. No, well, it's, it's, it's this thing with Cal. I think <laughs> she's, uh, the hula hoop? Yeah, she hasn't forgiven him for the hula hoop. You, you know when you said that you sometimes go off subject on this show? <laughs> No. <laughs> we do? <laughs> <laughs> That's getting out. I, I, I thought we probably kept that on the wraps. <laughs> Dear, anyway. Uh, I, I, sus um, I suspect that Carl won't be speaking to us now anyway, having had a go at him about the hula hoop. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, uh, okay, we're doing okay. Um, I do want to mention one of the things. You're on the Isle of Wight. I think that's so cool. That's what I want to mention. <laughs> very much. We're, now, wait a minute. Now, let me get my islands right because there's the Isle of Wight and there's the Isle of Man, which is the which? I always get those confused. Maybe you're not on the coolest island, I thought. No, I'm on the. Isle of, Man. the, uh, the Isle of Man's got Jeff the Mongoose. That's okay, that's the cool one. And the Isle of Wight <laughs> has got Queen Victoria's body. You do? Uh, I don't know, do I? <laughs> <laughs> She's buried at Osborne, isn't she? Of course she is. Yes, yes. There you go. So and she was a great spiritualist. Like a bad dream. See, now we can turn it into spiritualism because Queen Victoria was a great spiritualist and leads into last week's thing when we were asked about the royal family and spiritualism. Really? Well, there you go. You learn something new every day. So, uh, this, does, this show is completely non-linear. <laughs> it, it suits me. It's great. So, I mean... I mean, how does the royal family feel about, like, paranormal investigators hunting for their relatives? Uh, well, I know from a conversation with Prince Charles that he, as I said last week, that he is um, a believer 
um, and has has a has quite an int- personal interest in it. Um, and I did mention last week, Jim, is it Jim Dale's book, John Dale's book, The Prince and the Paranormal, which looks at the the sort of the spiritualist history of the royal family, which mm-hmm. certainly goes back from Victoria, Queen Mary, George V. Um, the, the, the royal family does seem to have, you know, uh, so I guess that if, if they're not sitting up with their Ouija boards, um, but it's been a very busy year for the royal family, so I guess they probably had the Ouija boards put in the cupboard for a while. Yeah, they they probably didn't have time for all of that plava. <laughs> but the Isle, I mean, Isle of Wight's supposed to be one of the most haunted. They, they always say this, though, don't they? Yeah. Wherever you so, are. Every year is the most haunted, to... right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yes, yes, exactly yeah. like Richard Felix now. <laughs> oh, that's a blast. That's, that. a, bit, that's a bit nasty. <laughs> Richard claimed that I think well, how many, I, I lost count how many locations were the most haunted location in the. I have uh, all his DVDs. I could tell you if you want me to count. Them. <laughs> 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 oh, but anyway, so how did you get interested? I mean, you say in ghost hunting or, or the paranormal, uh, De- uh, Deborah. Ghost hunting, where? <laughs> um, right, paranormal, I got it, whatever I got you want it. to call it. Yeah, uh, I, I, I've, I've sort of been really interested. I mean, I had my own experience, but uh, also okay. the experience of other people as well. Um, and it's very hard when you, you listen to how many uh, witnesses have experienced things. Um, and over the years, you can't just brush away you can't brush this all away. You know, you have to accept there's something going on. And personally, for me, I believe that the answer lies in either psychology or physics or maybe a combination of the two. Um, but but it, it is interesting that I, I, I don't feel that we have got uh, and I'll put it to you guys, actually. You know, why have, we've been doing this for years, you know, well over 100 years now, and we've got nowhere with the paranormal. Uh, that, well, I don't think we have. Did, what's your thoughts on that? I can't. I, I, I agree totally. In fact, you know, we, we go right the way back to Pliny through the 16th century with Joseph Glanville through the, the Ghost Club and the SPR. And we know how to measure stuff better. And we understand how, for example, some aspects of the environment can, can trick us and fool us and some aspects of our own mind and, and brain can trick us and fool us. But we don't understand um, at all the paranormal. And we certainly do not have a single piece of equipment that can measure it, despite no. what you might see on television. Yes. There is no <laughs> such thing as a ghost detector. But I have Steve, a new, new piece of equipment Steve. <laughs> they they come up with all this, you know. Yeah, but it this this electro wizardry. It it's snake oil with a battery attached to it. That's all it is. It's it's smoke and mirrors and snake oil. I mean, you know, go back a hundred years. There were people at your local fair on, you know, offering to pull your teeth and you know sell you a magic cure all potion, and. You can go to the Ghost Hunter web store, you can go to, you know, 101 other places, and you can buy this snake oil, and you can take it out and go, the laser grid, the K2 meter, the list goes on and on and on, and these these ever more inventive, ever more creative entrepreneurs... But, but isn't that what Anne's saying? We've got to think 
beyond linear. I'm not we saying have to, it. What's Deb saying? Is it from my saying? Deb, Deb, I like, it's you know, right. you, can, you can change your name for the show. I'm, st- I'm, I'm beca- <laughs> becoming her now. <laughs> She must be. She must be really mad at me or something. If her, oh, her wow, name yes. keeps coming up, mm. but but uh, isn't what you're saying, Deb? Uh, you know that it's not linear. So I mean, we have to look at different crazy stuff to <laughs> measure it. Uh, I'm not, not 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 we're not necessarily having to look at crazy. We should look at everything reported. Innovative. Shouldn't me. we shouldn't omit any data because we, until we know what we're dealing with, we need the need to know the shape of what's going on here. Um, and we're, because we've got nowhere with the, with doing it the other way, you know, the mm-hmm. very linear way, uh, you know, in abstracting the data, you know, having your hypothesis and saying, right, these are the things we need. Let's just look at this. We need to sort of encompass everything and model it and see what emerges. Let the thing run and, and tell us something about what's going on. Um, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen these sort of modeling programs. Often people see, use them for crowds and how crowds uh, react in certain situations under pressure or whatever. And there's quite a lot of uh, modeling goes on with that. And, it, it, you know, new things emerge when you do that, things that you, you wouldn't necessarily easily predict because you, 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 it's a combination of lots of things happening and there's an emergent properties from that. So, I hate to tell you, Deb, but I just heard the... Uh the uh, bell, which means we got the pizza here, so we have to get it before it uh, gets cold. <laughs> so, uh, anyways, I do have a couple things I want to mention before we do run off the show, and that is uh, on Saturday, December 8th, uh, we will be doing a special event at the Patriots Bar and Grill in Bellingham with uh, Spooky South Coast and Jeff Belanger, and uh, it's a paranormal party, basically, and it's free. The only thing we ask is you bring in a unwrapped toy for uh, Toys for Tot, and that's on December 8th. Uh, also, on, where's my other one? Um, November 20th, that's a Tuesday night at uh, 7 o'clock at the Circles of Wisdom, my paranormal study group meets together, and we will be uh, having Steve uh, Wilson, who is a shaman, and will, he has the group, the Spirit Light Network, and how they uh, use shamanism for ghost hunting. So we'll be looking into that as well. So, and tonight, Dining with the Dead at the Wyndham Restaurant. So, Deb, I want to thank you so much. We've been speaking with Deb Oaks from SPR, and she's a wicked smart person and uh, charming voice, <laughs> charming voice. It's very nonlinear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, anything you'd like to finish with? No, I'd just like to thank Debs because it's been a really enjoyable night. <laughs> and thank of course, you very much, Steve. And of course, Ron and everybody for all the, the, the great comments in the chat rooms. I've now been corrected. Uh, Queen Victoria is buried in the Royal Grounds in Frogmore on, at Windsor. Uh, not oh, well. So, so that's why I was a bit surprised. So, uh, well, well, wrap it up. So thank you, everybody. Good night and God bless. Good night. Good night. From ghoulies to ghosties, long-legged beasties, and things that go bump.